Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. live streamed on Instagram and Facebook and, and YouTube, although no one ever ever um, appears on YouTube apart from family members and slightly stranger members of the community. So um don't know why, um, but uh, I, I'll take them. I mean, I'm not complaining. So got a Q&A going on. Um, for those viewers on Facebook, of which there are none, um, I've moved my on air sign across for you. But, um, but maybe you'll watch it on the replay. So shall I get the um, oh, thing off there? Got it off. I got it off? Yeah. Oh, heck. Oh, I'm not going to mess with it anymore. Uh, so I've got some questions. If you've got a question, you can fire away and uh, ask me here and now. If you haven't, then you can listen to the other questions that people have asked and uh, see what you think. Question one, do you offer 3D modeling for the predicted results? No, we don't. Uh, oh, how do I get rid of that? Oh, God. So three, oh, God. There's lots of ways you can do it uh, on, in, this is talking about people, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm trying to get rid of the, um, there's lots of ways you can work out how to choose an implant. And one way is by using 3D modeling, which involves taking a photograph and then morphing that photograph to give you an idea of what you're gonna look with, look like with different implants in. And it is an acceptable way of doing it. I don't do it and um, not, but you know, any way there's lots of ways of doing something means there's no good way of doing it. So any way that anytime there's lots of things like there's, there's lots of different types of implants, you gotta be careful when someone says this is the best implant or, you know, if there's different ways of doing it and someone says this is the best way to do to choose an implant is by using 3D modeling, I'd be a bit wary of that because I'm not even going to say the way I do it is the best way. Um, I think it's the best way, <laughs> or at least it's the way that works kind of for me, but I'm not saying it's the best way. I know there's lots of other ways of doing it and they're all acceptable. So um, that is what it, a plastic surgery is a bit like that. It's a bit sort of surgeon surgeons views and experience based as opposed to scientifically based there's no scientific way of saying the best way to choose implants so anyway i don't do 3d uh, imaging um that's not to say i wouldn't and we definitely have thought about it and i i'm not ruling it out if i did do it i would kind of i think i might be wrong because i don't do it but i think it would probably more of a be of more of a marketing tool than actually a really um, helping me to decide what implants to have or what implants to talk to patients about because i choose the implant for a patient based on three things in this order three things that's right three things the trident approach yeah need a trident the uh, trademark do I, I need to trademark that the trident approach that's my thing um and in in order of of importance number one thing is the width of your chest the base width because it's no good put I, I don't know what this software i don't know if the software will sort of 
um, only allow you to choose implants that will fit your frame. But the base width is the number one important thing, and that is set. That is something that I will measure when um, during the consultation. Um, then the shape and profile, shape being round and teardrop, profile being low, moderate, high, extra high profile. Once you've got the shape and the profile and the width, to, that's it. Well, that's it, actually. Actually, that's it. Pretty much the width and the shape and profile is it. Now, it's not as easy as it sounds in terms of shape and profile, because you can't just go and look at loads of shapes and profiles and decide which one you want, because you've got to add the shape and profile to your breast. So, yes, different shapes and profiles give different kind of looks, but they also give different looks on different people. So a round implant will might give a fake look to someone, but a not a very fake look to someone else based on how their what the shape of their breast is, because you've got to add the implant to their breast. But actually, once you've once you've got an idea of what shape and profile you want and what width your you what width of implant you're going to have, you usually come down to like one or two implants in terms of volume. And then the last thing of the last part, the trident is the volume, uh, which we use sizes in the clinic. So that's kind of how we do it in, in the clinic. And that that works. But um, but I, I completely know, understand that people do 3D modeling. They use these glasses. They used to do this thing with a like VR headset thing where you put on and you look down and look like what you look like with implants in. So there's all sorts of things you can do. I haven't written them off, but I don't do them. There's no guarantee you're going to look like what the 3D modeling person looks like, just like there's no guarantee you're going to look like what, you know, what you look like with the with the uh, sizes in or what other people look like with moderate profile implants in or whatever. But, um, you know, we're all trying to find the ideal way. And uh, the moment I don't do the 3D modeling, I do it with the um, with the with my Trident approach. And that works for me. Um, but I can understand why it might be appealing, the 3D modeling thing. And people might think that's a good thing if uh, um, if they can see a photo of themselves morphed with the implants in. Um, and I know people do it. I know good surgeons do it. So I know it's not a bad thing. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to come to this later on. But the, the thing I would say to people that they don't spend enough time on is choosing the surgeon. I think they spend a disproportionate amount of time on choosing the implant. I'm not saying you don't need to spend time on choosing the implant. I'm just saying that people get so hung up on what implant they're going to have and they often don't research the surgeon. And if you don't get it right, because I think I've got a question later on about someone who's not got it, got, got a, uh, the pockets not been made right. I saw that somewhere. I think is it here? Yeah. So, so um, you know, if the pocket's not made right, it's bad news. Doesn't matter whether you spend the rest of your life choosing the right implant. If the pocket isn't made properly, then it can be really bad and very hard to correct as well. Very hard to come back from. Um, and that you really need to spend time on on making sure that you've got a good surgeon uh, as well as getting the right implant. But you, hopefully a good surgeon would guide you towards the right implant and you wouldn't have to worry too much um, just giving an idea of what sort of look you want um, uh, and and you know a good surgeon will choose an implant that will fit your frame but yeah that's where I am with 3d modeling as of aujourd'hui I might change my mind tomorrow and get a 3d modeling thing and uh, then try and look back at this video and hope and delete everything I've said no I don't need to delete it because I'm not bad mouthing it I'm just saying I don't do it um different strokes for different folks what's Alison got in general after 360 ftl i'll be three months post-op 16th june one side of downwards incision on lower tummy is not even and can pinch it and not flat is this normal at this time after op 
Um, yeah, I mean, I normally say, Alison, three months is sort of when things start to settle. Um, and always, Alison, talk to your surgeon is the best advice I can give you. Talk to your surgeon, work with your surgeon. But if I think I might have said this to you before about the 360 fleur de lis. I'm not, I'm not familiar with a 360 fleur. I think that's a fleur de lis. Is it FTL? Is that a fleur de lis? FDL? Um, I'm not familiar with a 360 fleur de lis. I wouldn't personally do a 360 foot fleur de lis. But, uh, but either, either way, it sounds like a big op. A, a 360 anything is a big op. And, and, you know, and sometimes there is a bit of laxity here and there. Um, and, yeah, talk to your surgeon. And I wouldn't kind of be thinking about doing revisions and stuff um you know you've got to leave things to settle um but it's you know you, you need to see the surgeon in person work with your surgeon they know what they've done they know what's happened um and yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't kind of say it was normal <laughs> for it be able to pinch one side and not the other and the decisions downwards on one side that's not normal but is it kind of like grossly abnormal well no you know often with with these things there are incisions that aren't quite level or whatever and you know um things aren't 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 um symmetrical so i wouldn't i would give it time is the answer to that give it time and talk to your surgeon um ash is in the house with a blank one nice one ash uh thanks for the comment you know all it all adds <coughs> all adds up all adds up um what we got thank you thank you allison and good luck um stay, stay strong um what brand of implants do we use for breast augmentation well i don't use any particular brand and i know a lot of surgeons i would go so far as to say most plastic surgeons do kind of use a make when you talk to your colleagues they say oh i use this maker and i use that make um i don't i i use uh, all different all the all the makes all the types of implants i do have a preferred make stroke makes um but if you've got a preferred make i can use any make you want as long as the hospital can get it as long as we can order it um i can use any implant that you want if you've got a view on it um because i use all the different types i use smooth micro textured macro textured and uh, polyurethane foam implants so i will use them all and um so they come in in different makes um generally speaking I like I like Poly, Polytech, which is a German company which make polyurethane implants. Now they're the only company in the world that make polyurethane implants. So if you're going to use polyurethane implants, you have to use Polytech. I used to like the fact that Polytech made polyurethane micro, macro, and um, smooth implants. The problem is the um, uh, which really simplified life and made it a lot easier. But recently they've stopped with the the rougher texture uh round implants so they no longer make the rougher texture round implant they only make a micro textured and a uh, smooth and a polyurethane one so therefore i have to go to a different make for different types of implants so i tend to use a uh, nagel for the macro textured implants um smooth implants i tend to use motiva for the smooth implants uh, sorry, micro textured. I mean, I, I, am I boring? Is this boring? Anyway, Motiva for the micro textured, and Motiva only make micro textured. Smooth, um, in play, uh, Nagor also makes smooth. Polytech makes smooth. There's a couple of my companies that make smooth. <clears throat> so I use different makes depending on the texture of the surface, basically. But uh, I haven't got a strong view, and there's lots of different. There's Seban, there's um, uh, Mentor, there's. Um, there's, there's several different companies and if you've got a view about as long as it's a big reputable company i can use uh, any 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 of them 
Um, the only thing I would say is if you're using different ones, sometimes the numbers can be different. The, the dimensions can be slightly different. So it is good to use ones you're familiar with. I'm quite familiar with the, um, certainly with the Negra and the Polytech I've been using for many years. Motiva less so, and the Motiva booklet has got really small um, num writing. So I have to put my glasses on to read that. But, uh, you know, that's something we can work with. I wouldn't make that uh, decision not to go with Motiva just because the writing is small. Um, so, yeah, I, I use, I use yeah, most of the makes personally. Um, uh, Julia, long time no see. I would like my skin to be taken off my back, bum lift, and bra line. Is this a difficult operation, or would you suggest lipo for contouring? I'm just wondering, as I only got one quote so far. Off my back, bum. Is there a, is there a comma there, Julia? I'd like the skin to be taken off my back. Is that comma, a bum bum lift, or I like to be the skin taken off my back? With a bum lift and bra line. Um, I always say, Julia, there's no such thing as a difficult operation. There's operations you know how to do and operations you don't know how to do. And taking skin off is generally not kind of a difficult operation. But I would go, I'll be honest with you, Julia, this sounds like an unusual operation because it's on your back and, and your bra line. It's unusual unless you've lost. Yeah, I was going to say we well, lost a lot of weight. Here we go. You preempted me. Weight loss, lost lots of skin. Yeah. I mean, when you lose lots of weight, Julia, there's common areas that people want contouring. And usually it's the front. Usually it's the tummy, it's the breast, it's the arms, it's the thighs. Those are the common areas. And then the back comes later. Um, so you can take uh, to tighten the skin on the back. Uh, it doesn't give a significant lift to the bum. And, and I think um, that's something personally. Uh, so it's it's an unusual operation rather than a difficult operation. And so I think I think you'll struggle to find someone who's got a lot of experience in it. And certainly I'm not, I haven't got a lot of experience in doing surgery like this, tightening backs and and uh, and, and bum lifts. Um, bum lifts are usually done by adding volume to the bum because if you're just tightening the skin, and I understand when you've weight lost, lost weight, you might feel that your uh, skin is um, saggy. If you're just tightening skin, you're gonna flatten the contour. So this is the thing with the bum. You kind of want a rounded contour. So tightening skin without adding volume is going to flatten the contour of the bum. Um, and so that's something I'll be thinking about. So usually in terms of bum lifts, sort of inverted commas, that's used, that usually involves adding volume in some way, often with uh, fat grafting, fat grafting and implants. So the two main ways of doing it has been a bit controversial. I think people are now thinking that it's okay to use fat grafting for injecting into the buttocks to give volume. I don't do it. Um, there are some people who are uh, in this country. We've been a bit um, negative about it, but it seems to be people coming back to it now. Uh, thank you. But I would like a shape to the bum, but don't want implants, etc. Yeah, well, if you don't want implants, Julia, then it would either be fat graft or I would say it's, personally, I think it's difficult to get a shape. Now, people do talk about using your own tissue if you have got a lot of excess skin and uh, auto augmentation sort of inject, not injecting it sort of uh, folding it over and putting it inside your buttock to augment the buttock not something that I do so I, I guess that would be a difficult operation um so yeah so it is it is yeah so the, I guess the answer is that is a difficult operation what you're talking about there because it's unusual Julia and uh it's all about this job I tell you now is all about managing expectations and it's about getting you on page with what can be achieved so uh, this is this is difficult because it's unusual. The other reason it's difficult is because any, operating on the bum, you'd have to be lying on your front. 
And personally, people are a bit different about this, but personally, I am a bit worried about operating on people when they're lying on the front. There is some risks with lying. We call it prone when you're lying sort of face down as on, on the beach. Um, and so I don't like operating on people prone um, because there are more risks when they're lying on the front. In East it's a bit more difficult to manage the airway and what have you. So there's a few reasons why it is all a bit tricky. Um, and yeah, uh, it, it, and as I say, it's not common surgery because people doing stuff on on the uh, on the on the botox certainly in the UK is not is not it's not massively common. Although there are, as I say, a few um, surgeons doing it. Omar Tillo, uh, my friend in London. Uh, seems to be making a name for himself in the buttocks, in the um, in, in injections and what have you. So uh, he might be a uh, someone to think of uh, looking at, Julia. Um, T-I-L-L-O, not lovely, lovely guy. Uh, and he certainly seems to be embracing the fat grafting for the uh, buttock augmentation. Um, uh, would you suggest lipo for contouring? Yeah, lipo for contouring. But again, you've got to be a bit careful about liposuction and what it can be achieved, what it can do. Liposuction... Ripo or riposuction removes fat, so it doesn't actually necessarily tighten skin. So you've got to be careful what areas you use it on. Um, there are assisted forms of liposuction that people say they tighten skin. Not sure how much it does tighten the skin, but anyway, that you have to talk to someone who does it, I guess. So, um, but yeah, so liposuction to a degree is good for contouring. There's certain areas where it works well. In my hands, I think the the the, the, the hips, the, the flanks. Uh, lateral chest wall it works well male chest it works well um certain areas where it doesn't work well in turn in my view on the abdomen is that a question i've got yes it is got a question later on about that because it doesn't remove skin so yes liposuction is good for for contouring but in certain areas and we often do it with kind of excisional uh, procedures and also volume and uh, uh, adding procedures like um, implants in terms of breast and buttocks but i understand if you don't want implants that's perfectly understandable now pamela has got given us a question on youtube so i feel bad now saying that we don't get anyone on youtube and now pamela's on youtube so i'll take that back and i take the earlier comment about youtube back what is the best scar tape to use after tummy tuck how often should you change the tape so um first of all pamela i would say talk to your surgeon because i don't think i'm your surgeon if i am your surgeon talk to me um I don't recommend scar tape after tummy tuck. I recommend moisturizer massage. Now, some people do use tape, just micropore tape, paper tape, and they can uh, use it for a few. I love micropore tape, and I use it in the early post-operative period. I don't use it for an extended period of time, but I know that some surgeons do use it for an extended period of time for a few months over the incisions. They feel it does a good job. Yeah, I mean, that's just micropore paper tape. Um, the When you're saying scar tape, I'm wondering if you're talking about like silicone which is more later on. So the scar tape is in the first few weeks after the surgery, the, the paper tape. Um, people also talk about silicone, um, which comes as a tape. Uh, and that is more for hypertrophic red, sort of um, raised scarring. There's lots of different makes and there's no, I don't know of any evidence to say one makes better than another. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend any particular make. There's loads of different ones and I just go with whatever. Um, Sil gel, Secacare, Silderm, uh, Keeler coat. Um, anyway, there's loads. There's loads. And they're all just silicone. I don't think there's any difference with the silicone. Um, uh, how often should you change it? You're supposed to wear it all day. So you're supposed to wear it 23 hours. 
so you just take it off when you need to wash and, and have a shower and things so you're supposed to wear it all the time if you're going to use a tape but as i say personally i advise people to massage and moisturize so i you can't use the tape and moisturize and massage because you just moisturize the tape off so you do one or one or the other um, and personally i i advise people to moisturize and massage the scar um, rather than tape uh, i think the tape is good for um red raised type of scars so you're you're so it is silicone tape you're talking about yeah three months okay um it is good for red raised hypertrophic scars um but i don't think there's any good evidence for it for normal scars so if your scar scar is maybe a little bit red but not raised just a kind of normal scar then personally i tell people to moisturize and massage but i don't know if you're sir i don't, don't think you're my patient so i don't know if your surgeon has advised you to use silicone then i'd go with go with what your surgeon says but as i say if you're going to use silicone you can't uh, moisturize and massage because because uh, you just rub tape off so in terms of makes pamela go for it whatever the cheapest is or whichever looks best i don't think there's any some of them come in sort of fancy shapes and things but i don't think there's any evidence to say one makes better than another um, so i can't really um, particularly recommend any particular make i think we use sildum i think is the make we use not an endorsement just I might even be wrong with that, but uh, that's just what we use just because that's wiki. They got a nice thing with the silicone gel. It's got little ball bearings with pressure on it. So that's quite good. But uh, I, I think they're all uh, they're all um, the same kind of stuff. Uh, thank you, Pamela. Thank you for, for uh, uh, what you got, Ash. Would you advise me to stay overnight after my breast augmentation because of my epilepsy? Or do you think it'll be safe for me to go home if the op is earlier in the day? Ooh. Um, I don't know. I mean, normally people go home absolutely fine, but I don't know. I take advice on the anesthetist on that, Ash. Um, if you can try and remind me, if you or you or you can drop me an email or something, I'll try and remember to ask Vicky tomorrow to ask the anesthetist if they've got a view on it. I mean, normally people are fine to go home same day, but um, you would be more than welcome to stay overnight if you, um, you know, if you would feel more comfortable with it. Um, but we can kind of check with the anesthetist that one. Ash, I don't know if, the, 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 I mean, the anesthetist might want you to stay overnight. So that's a good question. And personally, from a surgical point of view, I'm happy to go home and put it like that. But it's more, you know, like you say, from the epilepsy point of view, that they might want you to stay overnight. But uh, personally, I'd, I'd be fine with you to go home as long as you're feeling okay. That's the other thing. I always say to people that plan to stay overnight, if you're not feeling well, you can always... Um, stay overnight and so you know bring a bag and things but uh if if come the evening and we you know we've done it in the morning come the evening you're feeling okay i would have thought it'd be absolutely fine for you to uh head for the hills uh julia thank you who is your friend in london omar tillo julia omar tillo well, i posted that in the chat uh, anyway omar tillo is, is my friend um and he seems to be doing a lot of stuff with um oh, I, I should have replied to you anyway so yeah uh oh what's happened up Facebook? anyway okay so yeah that's my friend who does buttocks uh why are, here we go why aren't you allowed chewing gum on the day of surgery now this came up uh, a couple of or I'd say a few weeks ago probably a few months ago now um someone came to surgery chewing gum and 
I think we've had to say there's World War Three. <laughs> World War Three erupted. Um, oh, hold on, what's happened here? Oh God, what's happened here? People, oh God, I I've, I've, I've been uh, I've been neglecting. Uh, he's here. Oh God. Um, World War Three erupted because they walked in chewing gum. Uh, I so that's where this has come. Um, uh, Webster's asked to join the video. I'm assuming you made a mistake with that, uh, Webster. But if you haven't, I will I will accept your request and let you join the video. But um, so yeah, World War Three uh, erupted because the patient was chewing gum. Uh, I I I. I I, I don't know, but just don't chew gum when you come to the surgery. I'm guessing you're kind of mixing the because obviously you've got to be nil by mouth for, um, you know, six hours pre-op, maybe two hours for fluids, but certainly six hours for food because they don't want stuff in your stomach because they don't want you to aspirate. Uh, I think I thought it was I thought it was a mistake. Webster. Um, so hi, Corinne. Corinne's here. So, you know, obviously, I think uh, the problem is if you're chewing gum, maybe you make more secretions in your stomach and therefore you're more likely to aspirate. I'm, I'm guessing that was the problem with the with the gum chewing. But it was a bit of a uh, it, it was a bit of a shock, I think, to the patient. But uh, don't worry, Corinne. Don't worry. It's OK. Don't miss anything. Um, I think it was a bit of a shock, shock to the patient that they got told off that they were chewing gum. They kind of didn't expect to get told off and uh, i feel a bit bad because i don't think we i don't think we explicitly say i don't know if we do now you know don't you people don't tend to chew gum much anymore i don't you don't see it that often it doesn't seem to be that, that, of a, that popular a pastime anymore but clearly this patient was chewing gum and uh, felt bad that everyone was was uh, saying that was really uh, a bad thing to be doing and i think the reason for it is because the um increased secretions in your stomach and there's more the more stuff in your stomach the more risk you have of uh, aspirating when they do the anesthetic so i think that was the issue so don't chew gum on the day of the surgery nil by mouth means no food or gum so uh I actually yeah if you're stopping smoking and stuff those are the people who chew gum isn't it yeah good point good point yeah chew gum I've got a patient who's stopping smoking. I just want to make sure she doesn't chew gum when she comes. Um, so thank you, Ash. Message tomorrow. Yeah, try and message us. I'll try and remember. Thank you, Julia, um, for your question. Um, here we go. Is the consultation fee refundable or deducted if a surgery is booked? Uh, no. One word answer. No, it is not. Um, what do I say about that? we i think i used to do that ages ago i think i used to do that the reason people do that is because it's industry standard isn't it i think it's quite common in the industry for free consultations i think a lot of the clinics do free consultations um and a lot of places only kind of charge a consultation fee to make sure people turn up so they they um they give you back the consultation fee if you uh, if you have surgery now we don't uh i guess I guess the reasons are, first of all, um, well, actually, no, we, we do. Well, right. OK, so no, we don't. If you book for surgery, we don't. The, the reason being that, you know, you have a consultation and you have to pay for a lawyer and, a, you know, you have to pay for people's consultations. So, yeah, we don't. We charge for the consultation. But 
we do have what we call our satisfaction guarantee which means that if you're not happy with the consultation if we don't if we feel that we can't help you if you want something that we can't achieve we will give you back the consultation so we won't charge you if we haven't been helpful so we do do that we do give you the consultation fee if we haven't been helpful um and we're not really the people for you but if you go and have surgery we don't refund it I, I, i'll be honest with you the the other reason of it is logistical it can be a bit of a thing because if you're having a consultation and having a surgery re relatively soon you get i guess you might no, that wouldn't work because you'd always pay for the consultation i think that's right when i used to work in the hospitals people didn't pay for the consultation before they paid for it after the consultation so it was always a bit of a thing that if someone was having a surgery quite soon afterwards and they were we might say oh don't charge them for the consultation because they're just they booked for surgery and then when people were booking we say oh have they paid for a consultation or not if they haven't paid for the you know is the surgery five thousand pounds or is it four thousand eight hundred pounds we take the two hundred pounds off because have they paid or not so it was a bit so that was back this is going back a bit for you so that's i think why i stopped but that's probably about 10 years ago <laughs> now we charge people pay for the consultation before so you could argue that we could give them a, a refund of this consultation fee but we don't um we don't know do I have to elaborate on that? I don't know if I have to elaborate on that, but I feel bad now. I feel like I'm on the spot, but uh, but we don't. We charge, we charge for consultations. But we, as I say, we have a satisfaction guarantee. Anyway, move on, Kemi, what you got? Is it more difficult to find a lump in the breast with an implant? No, it isn't. And a lot of people worry about this, Kemi. Um, the implant is either behind the breast or behind the muscle. Either way, well, sorry, it's either in front or behind the muscle, the implant, but both wherever you put the implant it's always behind the breast there's no breast tissue behind the implant so there's an implant is not going to hide a breast i think a lot of people worry it's going to hide a breast cancer there could be a cancer growing behind the implant they won't know about so that is not going to happen we use implants when we do breast uh, cancer patients who have a mastectomy you know it's it's not uncommon to put an implant on the other side if they've always wanted to be bigger when you're reconstructing a breast you reconstruct the breast to to a size that they would like so if they have always wanted bigger breasts you can reconstruct a bigger breast and then put an implant in the other side so you know you wouldn't do that you wouldn't put an implant in a patient who actually had a had a breast cancer if that was a, an issue so there is no worry about finding breast cancers if you have a uh, breast implants in um, it's uh, it's fine and uh, there was a study that said that you're going to find them easier because you've got a harder thing to push against with the implant also i think patients have got smaller breasts who've got implants so maybe it is a bit easier to find lumps but i don't think the implant makes it easier to find a breast lump i think um it's the same it is the same there's no it doesn't make it more difficult to find a breast lump if you have an implant in so um there's no problem with um there's no problem with looking for breast lumps if you've got implants in it's no easier it's more difficult it's the same um but it's a good question a lot of people worry about that is it normal for a male to have a tummy tuck do we carry out the procedure often yeah yeah i mean is it normal i mean is it is it normal for a female to have a tummy tuck i mean what's normal i mean if you've got excess skin on your tummy yeah and the two things that do it to you are weight loss and having children and clearly males don't have the having children not yet anyway don't have the having children thing so it's not as common as females for sure because obviously females have, uh, have pregnancy and children which stretches the tummy so that's another reason for having a tummy tuck so you know a major reason of having a tummy tuck is after pregnancy but uh, there are females who have not 
had a, a pregnancy who require a tummy tuck, just like there are males who might need a tummy tuck who have lost weight. So the, the, the mechanism is the same. The skin gets stretched, then the stretching force goes, whether it's stretched by putting on weight or whether it's stretched by having a, a baby. Um, either way, the, 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 the effect is the same, excess skin on the abdomen. So it is perfectly reasonable for, uh, and perfectly normal for a male to have a tummy tuck, yes. It is nowhere near as common as female. So do we carry out the procedure often? Not, no, I wouldn't say often. Um, t 10 or maybe less than 10, like like 5% or less, of, I don't know what it is. There's probably a figure somewhere, but it's, it's, it's a low, it's, it's a, 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 you know, less than 10%, maybe less than 5% of the tummy tucks, I would say, are male. Um, the majority are female, simply because, as I say, females have uh, pregnancy, which is a major cause for it. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely perfectly reasonable for a man to have a have a tummy tuck. Perfectly reasonable. What we got here? Cytorts. I'm interested in a breast reduction from 36 kk to a C or a D cup. Is that reduction too dramatic? Can it be done in one go? And how do you prevent keloid scarring in dark skin? Good. So uh, yeah, I think it is a bit too dramatic. Cytorts. I think. Um, I think double K to C or D probably isn't realistic. If you, um, the bigger you are before, the bigger you are afterwards. And so you have to keep the nipple on a pedicle, although double K, you might be looking at a free nipple graph where you take the nipple off and, and put it back on again, which gives you a little bit more flexibility in terms of um, the volume. But nevertheless, they will still be big. I'll tell you that now. And I don't think there'll be a C cup. Um, they probably won't be a D cup. They'll probably be bigger than the D cup. Having said that, they will be significantly smaller than what they are. That's the thing that I can guarantee. And I'm sorry if that sounds a little bit um, vague, if you like. But we, you know, there isn't a specific thing that we have in theatre who where we have um, uh, cup sizes. So I did one yesterday, which was I don't know what the patient was, but she's probably something like double K or whatever, and two kilos off each breast. And that was a free nipple graft, and that was a big reduction. Um, but she's still big. You know, she's bigger than a C or D now. I don't know what she'd be, double D, E maybe. Um, but it's much more in keeping with her frame. What I normally say to people, I'm trying to get you back into normal shops, normal bra shops to get your bras. But, you you know, and, and sometimes I say, you know, you've got to think what a C or D would look like on your frame. It might not look right. I'm trying to make it look right on your frame. I'm trying to make it reduced. I'm trying to make enough blood supply to the nipple and uh, those are the things I'm trying to trying to do um, I can't um, guarantee a final cup size but I would say if you're double k I would say that cd is is probably unrealistic and it will be bigger than cd but it will be dramatically different to what it is now and dramatically reduced that you will be you know you won't think oh god they haven't done it 